you're listening to I Might Be Wrong, a podcast hosted by myself, Rich Needham, and my co-host, Henry Salmon. Welcome. You're joining us for another episode of I Might Be Wrong. I'm Rich. I'm Henry. Hi, Rich. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. We've had snow. It's getting cold. It's the winter. Yes. And uh, heading towards Christmas, which is great. So, yeah, things are okay. How about you? Unfortunately, we're, we're not recording in person. We are sat over the internet chatting to each other because we, we haven't found time over the last month to, to get back together again. But it's always always good to do something interesting on these episodes. And you have brought something interesting and a band that I'd sort of forgotten about a bit, even though they're a band that I really love. So who are you bringing to the table? I'm bringing the Jezebels to the table. Now, they are... One of my favourite bands, I guess. Actually, no, that's that's punchy. They have produced one of my favourite albums or EPs. Mm -hmm. That goes without saying. And they are interesting in more ways than one just because of... I guess it's because they had a almost a very fleeting brush with almost superstardom and they were going on a trajectory <laughs> which I thought would take them all the way to fame and glory and then they kind of never quite got there. I think there are maybe a few reasons for that. Not sure. We'll go into them. But yeah, they're just not your kind of ordinary band. So I'm, yeah, I I, I love talking about them. So should be good. So let's start at the start. Who are they? Where are they from? All that jazz. They're an Aussie band. So they met in Sydney 2007. I think they went to university together. It's a four piece. There's uh, Hayley Mary on vocals, Sam Lockwood on guitar, Heather Shannon on keys, and Nick Culloper on drums. There is no bassist, so um, the bass is handled mainly by Shannon on the, the keys and on the piano. So slightly kind of quirky setup there. Your next question is, what do they sound like? Yeah. And um, the EP that I think is, you know, I'm going to be honest, I think it's one of the best pieces of work to come out of the 2010s, like the entire decade. That sounds quite... It's quite fresh. It's got this kind of indie sound, but it's got clean keys. The vocals, Hayley Mary's vocals are their classic front woman soaring awesomeness. Um, think Chrissy Hine, think Debbie Harry. Quite cool. See, that's where I think they do stand out is that you say standard female vocals but they're not standard they're they're really top end female vocals and you've mentioned some absolute superstar voices there and i don't think her voice is out of place in their company it's not that's one of the biggest things about the jezebels and one of the things that really grabbed me is just the power and the strength that she has behind that voice so this is where i get kind of intrigued because you've got an incredible vocalist leading the band you've got a drummer i've got to mention the drums brilliant brilliant drumming yeah almost um it's so fast-paced it's clever drumming it's not just a kind of wall of noise but almost it carries songs in a little bit like the way that the drums carry a drum and bass track or like when you listen to pendulum or someone that that drumming is so rhythmic and so there that it just it can carry a track along so you've got this kind of brilliant background drumming then you've got keys and i'm a sucker for anyone who <laughs> puts either piano or synths on a track and some excellent guitar playing for, from lockwood and you've got 
this combination, which actually is 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 powerful to start with. It really is, and it it's not a completely unique sound, but it's very them. All of the elements have been done in other places. There's bits of this sound that hark back to the Fleetwood Macs, and there's bits of this sound that hark back to almost Queen and oh, I'm trying to think who else, but those kind of classic rock brilliant bands that made incredible melodic music and you're right about the drumming it's something that i love in music which is the use of the drums as an actual instrument rather than just a timekeeping percussion thing yes you talked about there not being a bass a fair bit of the bass in this is provided by different bass notes in the drums that's a great shout actually yeah you're right it's a slightly alternate take on your kind of standard indie band and there's a really interesting quote from 2012 when Hayley Mary was talking back of how they started. And she said, it was a combination of four individual desires to play music and take whatever opportunities we could find, which happened to be each other. From there, the process has pretty much been one of reconciling musical differences. <laughs> but we're getting closer. And so there, there are so many individual talents. When they get together and it works... It produces some of the best music I've I've heard. And I guess when it doesn't work, that's when you kind of get the album filler, which may have compromised some of their other albums, and it might have turned off some of the critics, but we'll go into that. Yes, but this EP that you're bringing to the table, you haven't mentioned the name yet. Yeah, so the EP is the, the Dark Storm EP that was released in 2010. And I'm not sure where I came across it, I think I bumped into this either just before it. There was a Red Bull uh, video for Danny McCaskill, the mountain biking trials rider, of him riding around the Isle of Skye in 2010. Yes. And uh, okay, is that where you might have seen it? Well, you sent me that video. I remember watching that and ah. loving the music and you telling me who that was and who the band was. Yeah, it, he's doing all this crazy for those who don't know trials biking explain what that is as a thing it's becoming very very popular on youtube it's a guy on a a small halfway between a bmx and a mountain bike rolling around jumping off stuff flipping around and kind of generally looking like a crazy teenager but bigger it's sort of like parkour for cyclists it's exactly parkour for cyclists yeah and it looks really cool. It looks cool. And, and it was shot brilliantly. So if yes. you go onto YouTube now, it's got like 47 million views. There were two backing tracks. There was this one and there was a song, I think it's um, Wax and Wires by a band who I've forgotten the name of. I'll find it and put it on the playlist. So which track did they use from Dark Storm? They used The Little Piece, which is the wow. fourth song on the album, fourth out of five. I think either that song... I spotted it on the video and enjoyed it or I'd bumped into it just before and then saw it on the video and thought this is awesome so this is where if you look at their kind of trajectory you know when you get picked up by Red Bull and you start being passed around in a an almost a viral video you're going to get noticed and even before that so the previous EP called She's So Hard that went to number three on the most added list on US college radio in 2009. So the previous year, oh, wow. the Americans were picking up on this. Then Red Bull and McCaskill get some action with a little piece. So 
if you were the Jezebels in 2010, you've got to be pretty confident that you're on a trajectory to success. Right. And we'll probably come on to this, but Prisoner, which was their first proper album, feels like a culmination of all of the best things that they were doing in these EPs. Because I'd not really listened to these EPs before you mentioned you wanted to bring this one to the party. And... I, I stuck it on thinking, ah, oh, you know, it's going to be sort of a bit different and a bit rough and ready. And actually, it's right up there in terms of the style's pretty much there already and, and Prisoner's just the next step on that journey. See, I like this EP better than Prisoner because the production just seems cleaner. And you've got the first track, Dark Storm, where there's a point at about three and a half minutes in where it just gets special and you suddenly get this kind of machine gun drumming, you get this shimmering lead guitar and these keys which just saw the track away and this whole thing just, it kind of gets your heart going a bit. And I think that's the point where I went, hang on a second, this this isn't just your average indie band playing, this is a, a band that have got, got something special going for them. And that's one thing this track illustrates about them that I think is consistent throughout the work of theirs that I love is this ability to do this quiet almost echoes of sound bouncing off mountains or something and and then it all sort of comes together and suddenly there's this massive build into a huge crescendo and I I love that when they do that stuff I mean shivers down my spine for a lot of these tracks yeah, and they do it all the way through. We'll talk about their later albums in a bit, but you can go through and find these tracks on their albums, which really do just, they punch really heavily when, you know, those punches land when, when they get it right. So you've already mentioned a couple of tracks off here. Given that it's a five-track EP, I'm sort of guessing you're just going to talk about everything. Is that right? Yeah, so let's just get through the rest of this EP because in my view, it's it's just this wonderful little little work of art and... I wonder whether it kind of came 10 years too early in that nowadays if you produced a five-song EP on Spotify, it will be really well received. And is the day of the album dead? I don't know. Anyway, let's crack on into it. I've mentioned Darkstorm. The next track's called Mace Spray. And uh, the title is about the actual Mace Spray with, you know, lyrics like you can't rely on the common man being a, being a wonderful little lyric in there, which, uh, which I like. And it brings out Hayley Mary's very kind of punchy feminist side and again i kind of wonder whether she appeared on the scene 10 years too early she's amazing in interviews she's very forthright in her views on kind of feminist i think the whole point of the jezebel mm-hmm. is trying to get behind it in in her words get behind uh, these women who may have been presented as evil just because they had a sexuality or they had opinions back in the day they may have just been strong women and this was it wasn't badly received it was it was well received i think at the time but some of the jezebel's work was criticized a little bit and she fought back whenever those criticisms were put on a table and i think because she started getting into spats with critics i don't know it seems to have created a bit of a kind of sour undertone but i think she's great and i I think that she's got this fuck you attitude which is which is quite cool it's quite you know it's quite rock and roll isn't it well, there's that thread. You've already mentioned a number of big female voices over the years, particularly from the 60s and 70s, like like the likes of Chrissy Hind, who were 
big feminist voices and were sort of taken to task by the mainstream for having those. And this, it just feels like another part of that ongoing thread. It brings to mind, I don't know how much you've spent time listening to self-esteem over the last yes. couple of years. Funnily enough, just just today. Right. <laughs> Her new album's incredible and we do need to cover that in a in a hidden track at some point in the near future. But if you've not listened to Self-Esteem, I mean her stuff's starting to go very mainstream, so I'm hoping it'll be everywhere soon, but her voice is very feminist. She talks about the millennial/gen Z experience in a way that is very real, very visceral, and it's another of those voices and she's getting a lot of praise and a lot of attention for it, but also getting criticized and getting people who are already out for blood for her because of that voice that she's got yeah there's a lot of i don't want to generalize here but male established voices that find that strong female voice threatening and doesn't like it well there was a quote which i was going to bring up later but i'm going to bring it up now because it's a perfect segue into it which is from Haley mary again and she said the standard of what's good for music is always middle-aged men <laughs> that like it. And so here's, here's us. We're not quite middle-aged yet, but, you know, we're a couple of guys who I guess could be perceived as your classic music critic almost. And yeah, maybe she's right. But anyway, we're on her side. So, <laughs> so, so good for her. Yeah, And I do think you're right about that stuff getting to the point now where it, it has a more of a mainstream acceptable point of view. And so, potentially they were too early but i think they're an important part of pushing that perspective as well so cool may spray is amazing the keys in this the piano in this is gorgeous yeah it's a lovely track and it just continues that the excellence from from dark storm the middle track sahara mahala is a kind of album settler almost it's the the midpoint of the album and it just doesn't drop the tempo as you would do in a in a longer album but it just says you know hang on a second we're not all about knocking your socks off with a classic riff or something and it just becomes a little bit more reflective beyond that we go into the little piece which we've mentioned with mccaskill and his biking antics and it closes with a song called she's so hard which is one of my all-time favorite songs ever of anyone i'm an absolutely huge fan of this it's this kind of, I don't know, this song about a strong woman again. It's an amazing lyric. She says, I think self-pity is a state of mind. She's so hard. And I see it as a bit of a rallying cry. And it's it's wonderful. It's just quite a slow building song. There's some wonderful background keys and synths floating around. The drumming doesn't need to take over here. And it just... It showcases the band and this whole EP of five songs, in my view, just gives you the entire range of what they can do in just five songs. And, and it's five five excellent pieces of work. And so that's why I locked onto it in 2010 and just said, this is fantastic. You know, I want to follow these guys with whatever they do next. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they've had a decent number of releases since this as well. We were talking about the track and the red bull youtube clip i couldn't work out how i'd come across them until you said that literally had no idea whether it was you telling me or what but i remember very vividly watching that clip and so that's that's where i would have first heard their work but prisoner is where 
I first really got into their music. And I don't know how you feel about Prisoner compared to this. Uh, so, so I saw Prisoner being announced and got very excited. And I think that's at the point where I think we agreed to go and see them. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about live performances in a bit. We definitely should. But I was very keen for the album to come out and I listened to it. And I think I had such high expectations that I guess they didn't quite hit them. Although listening to the album back now i think when i heard it the first time i was a little bit kind of oh, oh it's not quite as good but actually it's a brilliant album there are some amazing songs what what do you like on there do you have any favorite tracks? Oh, so many i want to touch on prisoner itself the title track and the opening track to start with because i think it is a real tempo and tone setter for this album it it opens with it's almost a bit shoegaze in terms of the yeah the use of guitar of this kind of big guitar thing that comes in and it sort of sets that big muscular start and then drops into a very very quiet moment and then starts to build and build and build again and it's exactly the way they tend to go about things and I think it really tells you this is where we're coming from and this is musically what you can expect from the album yeah but track two Track two is, is the one that got me. Endless Summer is just, just an incredible piece of music. It was their first single as well off that album, and it was brilliant. It's it's a little bit more synth-heavy than the EP that we talked about before, but uh, oh, it's a great piece of music. For me, I love the, the hugeness of this song. It feels massive yes. and open and like an endless road trip in beautiful sunny weather through an incredible landscape it's got that vibe to it it's just enormous as a piece of music and her voice just soars through it it's just one of the aspects of her voice is the ability to hit almost bass female notes but also have this Mm -hmm. massive huge higher notes as well and she does that throughout i think probably most of the work but there are moments in this album that really showcase that as well. Yeah, and the composition as well to get the um, that atmosphere. That's not just one person. That's that's the whole four piece doing lots of very clever work in the arrangement just to make a just a wonderful piece of music. Yeah, and I think the other thing about this album is that you mentioned synths, and there definitely is more of an eighties vibe to this album than there might have been to the previous EPs. It feels like a dramatic U2. <laughs> it's a bit like that kind of almost stadium-esque, big kind of intense rock music. But yes, I think it's better than U2. So oh, yeah, whatever. Absolutely. But you're right in terms of it taking a step into that arena stadium type sound. What they're doing within that is very clever and very musically beautiful. So there are aspects of the way that they create music that puts me in mind of bands like Arcade Fire. Yeah. And I think that mix of indie, but pulling in other things, that 80s synth, that 70s rock underpinnings, but also there's strings in here from the synths as well that just, it's so layered and so full, full of life, full of energy and emotion and passion. And that's, 
I'm entirely with you. There's no one's going to argue on this podcast about how good the Jezebels are because we both absolutely love these pieces of work. Yeah. And Rosebud is a great track for that 80s synth sound. And I think this lot and Churches were around at sort of the same time and Churches have that big synthy thing going on. And there was almost this element of like 70s and 80s revivalism happening at that point and they were definitely on the leading edge of that it's brilliant it was a really really fantastic time for new music to come out because as you say bands like churches just dredging up that synth work and making it brilliant again yeah wonderful music appearing around the turn of that decade yeah uh, city girl follows rosebud as well the the opening guitars on this it's almost like an early u2 sound so it's pre the edge finding the chimey guitar thing but it's sort of got this <laughs> yeah similar vibe to it that i really love yeah and, and and the album i mean there are good songs all the way through deep wide ocean i'm a big fan of they seem to be able to close albums brilliantly i think every single one of their albums this one and the brink and cynthia which they finish off with the last song on the album is always a belter they they just know how to create an atmosphere in a song yeah i think it's an element of understanding how to build things up and bring them to a quiet moment and then build them back up again that they do within songs that they also apply to their albums. Yeah. And I guess once you understand that dynamic, it's easier to do, maybe? Yeah, maybe it's just talent. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, there's definitely talent. But Reprise, just before the end, so there's Reprise and then Catch Me, and Reprise sort of brings everything to this quiet, almost delicate... It's almost like when you see a band live and you have the bits between the main part of their act and the encore where everyone's whooping and cheering <laughs> yeah. and making a lot of noise and then they come back on stage and catch me is then that the encore yep. where it, it takes everything that you've had in the previous what 40 minutes and just pulls all that together and plays you your favorite track right there and then and a lot of bands would be scared to leave a big track like this to the end of an album yeah, I think you've nailed it. I think it really is that kind of that encore feeling that that you get from the end of the album. Yeah, it's a good album. It's a really good album, and I'm part of me thinks, well, why didn't I do that? Because there's more to talk about. But <laughs> there, yeah, there are a couple of gaps in there. I don't think there can be any question that all of this early work is all phenomenal, and I, I think it all comes down to personal taste when you're talking about these pieces. And I do wonder, you know, there's the odd one or two tracks in Prisoner that I wouldn't necessarily miss them if they were missing. I don't dislike them and I don't think they're bad pieces of music, but they're not They're not at the same height. Yeah. And your take on it of bringing just the EP, there's five very, very strong tracks there and no filler at all. Yeah. And then you move into 2014. So this came out in 2011. Then 2014, they released The Brink which seemed to get a bit of a panning by critics, which I think is a bit harsh. There are some brilliant songs on this. Time to Dance is awesome. And All You Need, the closing track on the album, is awesome. Absolutely, it's one of my favourite tracks. They've still got that drive. The album just doesn't quite hang together as well. And if they'd gone back to an EP format and just released, you know, cut out some of the others, again, you'd be left with this kind of golden nuggets at the bottom of that pan to, to just have a at the top of the pyramid of awesome songs the absolute best bits yeah exactly and and i think this is the point where it must be a bit disheartening they 
were riding a, a really big wave of critical acclaim and then suddenly you get kind of run into a bit of a brick wall and and I could understand the band feeling a little bit put off by this it's like hang on a second we've got some really good work in here and yet people have really had a bit of a dig at them which is a bit harsh mm-hmm. then you go into 2016 and Cynthia comes out and it's more synthy huh it's more mm-hmm. dream poppy but this is where the story turns a bit not not tragic but it but it's sad I mean they released the album had a world tour set up and then Heather Shannon announced that she had a cancer setback now turns out she'd been diagnosed with ovarian cancer back just before they were recording the brink but wanted to keep it quiet and then it came back and they had to bin the tour which I think is a huge shame because the album is brilliant and you kind of wonder if it got the promotion and the following would it have really catapulted them back up into success I'm not sure but it must have been a huge shame for the band just to go all right, we're off on a, on, a, on a trip and then suddenly it's in the bin. And and much worse than that, your friend's health's on the line. So must have been a, a really sad way to stop them in their tracks. And then in 2017, they announced they were going into a hiatus, basically, because they had to stop. They, they couldn't talk. Have you listened to any of Hayley Mary's solo stuff? Because she's been releasing things over the last year or two. I have. So she has been doing some solo stuff. And... <laughs> what do I think of it? I really like it, but there's something missing. And, and I think there's something missing is the rest of the band. <laughs> so yeah. it goes back into very, very good pop in the music. There's a single called uh, Like a Woman Should, yeah. which is absolutely awesome. Like it should be played everywhere. It's, it's a fantastic pop song. But the other work just seems like it's kind of... Uh, just not quite there there's a song called brat which properly channels like debbie harry i love it i can't find it on spotify i don't know if i'm looking in the wrong place but find that on youtube that's well worth watching. okay what do you think of the solo work i don't dislike it but it's definitely not jezebel's it it feels like 80s synthy pop music more than yeah. anything else and there's nothing wrong with that but it's just not like you say it feels like it's missing that it doesn't have the same drumming. It doesn't have the same drive. And maybe that's fine because people do solo things because they need to do that that thing of, I really want to explore this. I really want to do this. And I'll release it under my own name rather than trying to force the band to do that thing with me. I just really hope that whatever is going on health-wise, relationship-wise, whatever in the band, that they can get to a point that they can get back together and record more music i need to listen to the last album or two more because i i think i got so sucked into prisoner and i loved it so much that i just didn't give the others much of a chance it was almost like oh well this isn't prisoner so i'm just gonna go back and listen to prisoner some more so i i think i've not given it the chance that i should if you want a couple of tracks from cynthia yes please my love is my disease is awesome, awesome, classic Jezebels. And then the last track, Stamina, is this kind of slow-burning seven-minute epic, which is very different to their other work, but just builds up and just kind of unleashes itself at the end. It's a great piece of work. Awesome. We mentioned solo work. Yes. It's also worth mentioning Heather Shannon's solo work, which okay. is totally, totally different. <laughs> so she, she's the keys player. She decided to go to Iceland, 
to record a classical album. Okay. So she's recorded an album called Midnight Sun. Well, well worth a listen. I'm not a big classical fan, but I thought, look, it's Heather Shannon from the Jezebel. So she, she's got my attention straight away. <laughs> yeah. It's really, really interesting. It's it's delicate. It's brittle. It's very textured. It's quite Icelandic in a way. It kind of evokes the, the landscape. <laughs> Check it out. As everything ever recorded in Iceland ever does. Yeah, well, Damon Albarn's got a house there, I think. That's he's. Uh, I think he started going out there in like '97, and he's he does all all sorts of recordings out there because of because it's Iceland. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Fragments is the first song on the album. Give that a listen if you want an idea of what it sounds like. But cool. um, definitely worth a go. I quite like the different direction. Yeah, they're all such brilliant musicians that regardless of whether it sounds like the Jezebels or not, it's always worth listening to people that are that talented. Yeah. And you mentioned getting back together. Mm. So I I was thinking that they're done for. Turns out that they announced last month that they were getting back together to do the 10-year anniversary of Prisoner and get back together and start to make music. Yeah, I was very sad about that because they only announced Australian dates. I know. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> COVID and all that. I'm keeping my fingers crossed that late 22, early 23, maybe we get to see them on these shores because I would 100% go and see them play Prisoner end to end. Yeah, completely. And in some kind of, in the off chance that they're listening, please make more music. Just don't listen to the critics. Just crack on because you've got something special going on to do it. Do more. (laughs) As I said earlier, there's nothing, I think, in their sound that is specifically unique in terms of the individual instruments but what they do as a as a group when they bring all of that together is such a distinctive special sound that i don't think anyone else has ever got close to anything like it yep yep agree so live we've both seen them live because you you made me well you didn't make me go and see them i think you said they were playing live and i just threw money at you to get tickets yeah i I think it's the shepherd's bush empire I'm kind of guessing. I think it was there. I don't think it was. I think it was a Coco's in Camden. Was it? Because I think we went with Sam. Yeah. Okay. Is that? Isn't that where we? Th- um. Wait. It is. Hang on. I've got it. I've got it. So I've I've done some research, as in I've checked my emails, <laughs> and it turns out that on the twenty uh, second of February, twenty twelve, on a Wednesday, they played at Coco's. So yeah. you're right. I'm wrong. And yes, we, we, we saw them there. So um, fantastic. Great memories. There's a reason why I remember them being at Coco's. The reason why I remember that Sam was with us. It's the first time Sam ever came to a gig with us. And you and I, at the moment when the applause at the end of their main set started to die down, looked at each other without saying a thing and started stomping on the floor to start a gig wide stomp 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 to get them back on and sam just looked absolutely flummoxed about what the hell was going on yeah he just didn't know what we were up to but yeah it, it worked i do love the gig but stomp. that was a great gig and and hats off to them you know as a live band just as good as recorded sometimes bands just don't work that well together live they were brilliant i think they might be even better live like an extra step up in terms of almost like a whirlwind of sound going on around you and just seeing musicians that capable and brilliant create that level of layered noise that is just so melodic in right in front of you it's just such an incredible experience yeah i read some 
reviews of them playing bigger venues so like the sydney opera house which they played in 2014 and and some of the support for some big bands um like depeche mode and things and some people criticize them for being a bit shy and not really kind of having stage presence and i wonder whether that bigger venue maybe it just was a bit too much for them and they couldn't quite command the stage which which feels like it's a bit of a a shame because they've got that power through their music and you've got a front woman in Hayley Mary that you feel like they should so I don't know I'm not it's a bit of a shame that completely is at odds with everything that I felt about them when we saw them play live because she was such an incredible powerful presence in those gigs and she's I don't know whether I'm misremembering this but from what I remember she's this tiny tiny human like five foot five foot two maybe (laughs) sort of that kind of size and so she walks up to the front of the stage and you think "Hmm." you know sometimes you hear a band recorded and their singer's voice live is much weaker yeah and you're just like oh you've done a lot in the studio to bring that out absolutely not the moment she opens her mouth is just this incredible huge voice coming out of this tiny human being and that alone gives us so much presence and and almost just her attitude her body language does that as well and maybe maybe that's true maybe there was an element of they were a bit nervous about the setting you know you're australian and you're getting to play the sydney opera house maybe that puts you on edge a touch but that was never the impression that i got when we saw them yeah so yeah live brilliant would see again 100 hopefully they can make it across to europe yeah yeah Yes, we will get those tickets if uh, if they play Prisoner here. <laughs> yeah, done. So, influences. Was this end of a line of influences or start of something new for you? I think you nailed it earlier when you said that around that time of the early 2010s, this kind of, you've got these synth bands and these kind of really big indie bands appearing and making mm-hmm. some kind of bigger music. We've mentioned Arcade Fire releasing some of their work kind of around that time as well. Yep. So, not really new influences, I just off the back of that email where I checked the gig for the Jezebels, I then got a follow-up email after six months. And it's a, a note to myself, which is weird, but it's like, <laughs> okay. after six months, found my new favourite band. It's Augustine's, or We Are Augustine's, as they were then, who were quite a similar band in a way, quite intense, big music. So I think it's that kind of style that I really, really latched onto in, in what, 2010 to twenty. Yeah, 2015, 2016. Yeah, what you said there is a word I've been searching for throughout the whole of this recording is intense. It is a hugely intense, in a good way, style of music. And I think that's one of the things that's... It's sort of a thread in my music listening in in certain bands, and they're part of that law for me. And it's funny that you say that, because in interviews, when they've been asked to describe their music and this hasn't been planned this is literally rich just giving his impression (laughs) this is just off the cuff they've described tongue-in-cheek their music as being intense indie as a kind of as a thing which the music critics (laughs) have then got onto and gone what a bunch of idiots creating their own style for them when they were actually just kind of trying to describe it and having a bit of a laugh doing it but they're right it's a fair description of their work right it absolutely is and i love the idea of a single band subgenre yeah. of their own <laughs> yes. yeah yeah because there is a, a little bit of a uniqueness about their sound and i love them for that and i love the style i mean it there's an element of if they'd got big there'd have been a whole bunch of 
sound alike bands that would have popped up in their wake. So maybe that's one small element of positivity. Yeah. And yeah, you never know how much the the health issues affected the band. And even right from the very start, I mean, that quote saying that they had their differences and it's trying to reconcile those that they got them together. So so maybe actually, you know, it's not easy to, to be the Jezebels. Maybe just making music is actually quite a difficult process. There might be an element of that in terms of, yes, it's difficult to create music, particularly when that's that initial thing of you come together and you start a group because these are the people that you have options to make music with. But actually, if you take time out from that, you start to miss it and you start to miss those people and appreciate what they bring to music. And so maybe that will add a renewed sense of energy and sense of purpose to them as a band if they do make it back. You know, if they're playing this reunion tour, you you wonder whether maybe they'll get time to write new music while they're touring and let's hope they do. Yeah, and um, if they don't, they've got an ace back catalogue if you start cherry picking songs from the three albums and then the eps you've just got an insanely good set list that they can they can use yeah 100 percent. and i'm really really glad that you brought them up because they should absolutely have been on my list and somehow i overlooked them so i'm glad you brought them to the party yeah i'm glad i can lay claim to them as well i'm doing that anyway and actually what will be really interesting is to hear other people know them well because i don't know if it's just a, an us thing or whether they became quite well-known in indie circles. I, I don't really know. Well, I'm trying to think. When we saw them at Coco, it was a mostly full venue, but it wasn't completely packed. But Coco's a decent size. It was big, but then it would be full of Australian backpackers going to see an Aussie <laughs> band. So, but, you know. Yeah, maybe. Everyone from Action Town has come down. Yeah, Action Town. <laughs> yeah, true. Cool. All right, we should uh, wrap it up there before we get into more random London ramblings and reminiscing. <laughs> yes. Yes, thank you. I, I enjoyed chatting about them. And thank you lot for joining us. It's, it's always always fun. Let us know. Let Henry know if you're a Jezebels fan. All right, take it easy. We will see you next week. See you next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of I Might Be Wrong. 